Hey everybody, this is Dean Brody. You're listening to Tobin Tonight. Dean, thank you for taking the time to take our call and uh, be on the podcast. Yeah, man. I'm excited to talk to you about music and all things related. It's going to be fun. You grew up out on the West Coast in BC. Tell us about your childhood. I guess my earliest memories are a cattle ranch. My dad was a ranch hand on a cattle ranch in the East Kootenays, southeastern British Columbia. It was an old ranch house, and I had a 4-H steer out there, and I'd get up every morning at 6 o'clock and go feed him, and his name was Major. And I just grew up in the country, man. After that, uh, we had a little hobby farm, I guess about 10 acres with horses and chickens and rabbits and dogs and all that kind of stuff. And we had one channel. We had a CBC on a good night. We'd have really good reception on CBC. And my dad actually made an antenna out of beer cans. I remember clearly like him out there during a windstorm trying to figure out how to how to turn this tin can antenna so that we could get like a really good reception before the hockey game came on on Saturday nights. And so we kind of grew up with no no entertainment like we didn't have a video game console until i was older and so we just did a lot of a lot of growing up like out in the woods and down by the river and just what you know country kids did back in the day and of course we were mentioning about your dad and setting up the the kind of hockey game for the classic saturday night hockey or hockey night in canada here in canada what teams were you rooting for man i was a huge edmonton oiler fan and i was in bc i didn't mind the canucks but i guess because i was a kid i got on the the Wayne Gretzky bandwagon, Mark Messier, Yari Curry, Semenko, those, those were my guys. And so I kind of grew up, they were a dynasty, of course. And I've kind of had to put my head in the sand the last <laughs> 20 years until lately. It's like, yeah, yeah, I'm an Edmonton Oilers fan. But I'd say that before and people be like, oh, man, I'm sorry. But no, we're, we're hitting some good times now, I think. They're starting a new franchise with McDavid, Dreisaitl, Nurse. It's going up. Let's go that way. Things are looking up. It's going a lot better than it was, that's for sure. You just mentioned about entertainment. There wasn't much there. Is that when you kind of picked up playing the guitar in your spare time? Yeah, my mom had a guitar laying around, and I'd pick it up once in a while and just learn a couple chords. I got a chord chart. Just kind of learned on my own. I had a lot of spare time, and so learned my chords. And we started a little garage band when I was 14, called ourselves Roadrunner, and yeah, on Saturdays or Sundays, we'd get together and we'd jam. And uh, looking back now, I think, you know, we weren't that good, but we had a lot of fun. And as a kid, I think music needs to be fun. And it uh, it showed me that there is something out there that I loved and that, that I wasn't that good at it at the time, but I wanted to get good at it. And I think that nowadays it'd be so tough for kids. Like, if you, there's so much, even me, myself, I'm, I'm an adult and I love video games and I love, like, there's all this media all the time. And, and so I'm, I'm really thankful that I grew up you know outside of that world where you had to you had to make your own entertainment you had to make your own fun and i think that was without me being removed from this whole media frenzy that we have nowadays i don't think i would have gotten into music the kind of joke i want to go off here too is you mentioned that the band name was roadrunner i'm wondering did you ever have a rival band called wild e coyote <laughs> no <laughs> no but we sh- we could have that would have been great we yeah we didn't really play out much we mostly just played in that we were actually in the garage like it was a garage band and 
we did a recording once. I remember we, we recorded at uh, the high school. Had a little uh, recording studio, and I remember us sitting out there after we did a recording, going, "Man, this is awesome!" And, uh, my, my drummer's uh, uncle came by, and he had this—he he was a rocker. He had this awesome Camaro, white Camaro, and a leather jacket and like slicked back hair. The scene out of Greece, you know. And he showed up, and we're like, "Oh, Uncle Joe!" And then we showed him the music, and he's like, "This is great!" And like our our aspirations at the time to get good enough to play in bars like we'd sit around and go oh man we're so good like, I think someday we're going to get into the bar and we're going to play in the bar that was our goal right we never thought much beyond that so to be where I am today was something completely unexpected you worked at a sawmill is that correct yeah yeah my first job I guess my first real job was yeah 16 just turned 16 worked at the local sawmill for I guess on and off for about nine years no, I just thought that was interesting because, I mean, usually when you hear about musicians, you kind of hear through their struggles of, you know, like their whole life they picked up a guitar or played a guitar. But like it seemed like in Canada, even as a musician, you still have to have another job on the side. So I just thought that was kind of interesting that you worked at a sawmill. Yeah, it's definitely my day job. And I remember sometimes at night I'd come up with like ideas for songs and I'd scratch them on my hard hat because I didn't get a nail and I scratch the lyrics on my hard hat because I didn't have any paper and I remember just sitting out there on the deck, you know, after everything was cleaned up and just looking up at the moon and thinking, man, I wonder wonder if it's possible moving to Nashville and chasing this dream or is it just crazy? And I ended up just taking that leap one day and, and went down. This was in 2004. You moved to Nashville uh, to pursue the musical career. Although you did find a contract, you kind of had an issue with the U.S. work permit that forced you to move back to Canada. And then, of course, your producer, Keith Stiegel, he helped you sign with Broken Bow, or Broken Bow Records. So how important was Keith Stiegel to all of this moving forward? Uh, you know, Keith had a, a big part in it. I think the bigger part was Matt Roby, who's been my producer. He started co-producing that album, the first album with Keith, and Keith ended up just saying, hey, you know how to do this. You've done this for years with me. Like, Matt's worked with Keith for years on the Alan Jackson records, Dolly Parton, George Jones, and Zach Brown band. And so basically Keith just stepped away and let Matt take off with it, which was awesome because Matt's is incredible, incredible talent. And yeah, it's a... Between Matt and Keith, they both had a really big hand in me getting signed to Broken Bow Records. You released the debut single, Brothers. How important or how special was that to release that single? I think it was really important for my career. Like We didn't plan on releasing that song right away. Uh, we had a totally different song in mind when we did the U.S. and Canadian radio tour. Uh, we basically go to every radio station, every reporting radio station in North America, and you'd play like three or four songs in their conference room at, at these radio stations. And every time I did my three or four songs, they're like, you know, we, we like Gravity, but oh man, that brother song, I, th- I think our, our listeners would just love that song. And so it ended up being a really uh, a big moment for me. Like I wrote the song and thought, well, this means a lot to me, but I wasn't sure it would resonate with other people. And it turns out it did, and it turns out it was a real it was a really big song for me and it still is today like we still play it and I just think it a lot of people we understand family everybody understands family and uh, just how much the family means to us and if we have trouble with family we know what we would we would like in a family and so I just think it was just it hit a chord with people understanding sacrifice and and taking care of those that you love around you I definitely get that kind of sentiment from the song. I kind of agree with what they said, too, or what you kind of went off of. I liked Gravity. I liked Brothers. Now, you've released six albums to date. One of the ones that really kind of got me really interested in your music was I liked Crop Circles. I even liked the song, that uh, Crop Circles, that came from that album. Can you kind of describe what you were going for in that song? 
I was going for a little bit of a psychedelic edge. And I'd say almost every album that we've done, we do one song that's kind of out there. And for that album, Crop Circles, Crop Circles, the song was out there. You have a six album out now, Beautiful Freak Show. And it recently earned three awards at the CCMAs. How special was that? Man, it was pretty cool. It was a it, it was a risk again. This this album, especially the song "Beautiful Freak Show," was a risk. And in the end, radio didn't really they they didn't play it. Like they didn't get on board with it. So it was maybe too too edgy. Although, like my fans love it, and so yeah, it was maybe too risky for radio. And yeah, ha- and having the awards. So I mean, Bush Party was the most. Uh, sold Canadian song last year and uh, we won for album design Mitch Nevins is an amazing designer he's been working on my albums I think for five albums now so that was cool we got that one and then songwriter for, for time was, was awesome because for me that's where it all started was songwriting and I'm hoping someday that's where it keeps going like I, I could see hopefully writing songs into my 70s like I just really love painting <laughs> pictures and trying to tell other people's stories tell my own story celebrating the country way of life I hope I can do that for, for years to come who are some of the artists that uh, you looked up to growing up to get you into music? For me, I think the Beach Boys were really big. I wore, I had an 8-track, my dad had an 8-track out in the garage, and I'd go out there and play Beach Boys Endless Summer, the 8-track, like over and over and over again. And so I think that's where I kind of got my love for beach music. But then, like, other stuff too, like, I'd listen to ACDC and Aerosmith and Guns N' Roses and stuff, all those hair bands, you know, like... <laughs> I was listening to that stuff. I, we didn't have a dedicated country station where I grew up. Like it was, they played everything. They played Anne Murray, and then they play Bruce Springsteen and Metallica. Like they just. And so for me, I think maybe that's why, like in my writing, I draw from a lot of different places. And I think you can see that, especially on an album like Beautiful Freak Show. It is all kinds of different. There's got got a reggae song on there. We've got some bluegrassy kind of stuff. I, I love it all. I love music, and um, I think it's exciting right now in country music because it. It is such a broad spectrum. You have Sam Hunt, and then you've got someone like Chris Stapleton, both re- residing somehow in the same genre. And I think it's a it's an exciting time to be a creator. Going off that idea, I want to ask this. My generation right now calls it, there's the old school country, and then they call it the, the new generation country. I like both, but I can see that there's a difference in them. Do you consider it two different genres, or do you think that they kind of sound the same so that they should be all clarified as country? There definitely are branding it all as country, but yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on right now. I, I love new country. I, I love the rock uh, influence on the new country, even the pop influence, but I also love the old stuff. The reason I got into country music, and when I say old, I'm talking like Randy Travis. That's I'm not talking like uh, George Jones, even though I'm a huge George Jones fan. Like What got me into country was when Tim McGraw came on the scene and uh, Randy Travis, Mark Chestnut, Clay Walker, Kentucky Headhunters like that's the kind of stuff that went oh I was like this is kind of like rock but it's kind of not and I felt I could relate to the lyric like it was really easy for me to write from the country point of view because I grew up there so it was like second nature I knew nothing about urban life it would be I couldn't write a you know an urban song but yeah I forget what your question was, Brian. <laughs> no, that's that's fine. Like you, you answered it. The interesting point that I was going to make off of that when you mentioned about Tim McGraw, I like Tim McGraw. I like Garth Brooks. And the joke I was about to make there was uh, a comedian named Ron White makes a joke that um, there's people I, I can't remember where he was too. I think it was Nashville, and they were mentioning about them liking Garth Brooks, and he was like, "Yeah, but he's like, I don't like country." Or he was getting in a debate about how uh, he didn't like Garth Brooks, and they were like, "How can you not like Garth Brooks? He's country." And he's rock and roll. He's the best of both worlds. And I was thinking to myself, and I said, 
you know, we had Shania Twain up here that was kind of like country and pop, but mm-hmm. with all those influences, you can just kind of see it now in the new country that they kind of have that twang, but also bringing in their own styles. Like you mentioned about all the influence you have with the Beach Boys, and you mentioned about like a reggae song on the on your CD. I liked Bush Party, but every song that you have has a little bit of a difference in it, which I kind of enjoy too. Yeah, we have fun in the studio. Like we try different things, and I'm lucky to work with Matt because he's okay to go down those winding roads with me. I think maybe other producers might be like, "All right, Dean, like you need to pick what your sound <laughs> is going to be like and just stick to it." And but Matt's he loves going in those directions, and sometimes we get a little lost and got to find the trail again. But um, he's uh, he's been a really fun and great influence on what I do and how I create music. So hopefully we'll keep being able to do that and yeah it's exciting right now like i feel like it is it's wide open out there i know you know back probably 15 years ago it felt like country was in quite a box like you had to write between these lines and if you strayed too far it was just you completely disregarded and then all of a sudden i'm not sure if it was because of the itunes world where people started buying singles again and you had all these kids with different playlists from all kind of genres all of a sudden it just blew up in every direction like country you could you could go over here you could go over here you could go over here and even collaborations that were happening across genres and so it it just opened everything up like as a songwriter it's a really great great place to be right now and speaking of collaborations i want to mention one uh, i'm a newfoundlander so I, I guess you might sense where i'm going with this one uh, and of course it is a friday you did a awesome song with uh, Great Big C. It's Friday. It's pretty much, I believe in Newfoundland, in Newfoundland, it's almost like an unsung anthem in a way because as soon as Friday hits, I guarantee you when they're going to their cabins, that is somewhere on the dial on their playlist. Uh, how fun was it to team up with uh, Great Big C to write that song? Man, it was so fun. Like I think the where, where we had the most fun was when we actually got to come here to Newfoundland and do the video with the guys and I remember we were up on the rooftop of one of the buildings on I think it was Water Street or George I'm not sure we were playing and there was a me and Alan and the guys were up on the roof and then there was a wedding happening just up on the hill uh, and Alan's like hey let's go like he waved at them and they waved back and Alan's like let's go and so I'm running behind Alan across the rooftops and then I'm down the street and then up the hill and all of a sudden we were in the middle of this wedding party singing a song and it was really cool it was totally impromptu and that that wedding that that party ends up in the video and it wasn't planned it just happened so uh, it was just really cool man to to be able to work with i have a huge respect for uh music that's come out of the east coast and uh, newfoundland in particular like uh, being a western kid like growing up i was always like oh man it's just great music out here and so diverse and so organic and so to be able to collaborate with Great Big C and Sean Bob and Alan, like it was it was awesome, man. A little intimidating almost. Yeah, they're they're pretty huge in Newfoundland. I've got to speak to Alan earlier, actually, on uh, on this podcast or on the this season of the podcast, and uh, he's a very chill dude. And I, I mean, to me, that idea of him saying let's just go to a wedding or like because he's seen it doesn't surprise me at all. But I'm sure you were kind of looking at me like, really, we can you're just going to do that? But in Newfoundland, it's almost like. Oh, someone's having a wedding? Yeah, let's go and see. If they're waving us over, yeah, they're friendly. Let's go to it. Yeah, it's really cool, man. The first time I was here, I noticed that. I walked with Alan after that video shoot. We walked down to a pub. I forget what it was. Maybe call O'Reilly? Does that sound right? It was on Water Street, and there was an Irish... There was a band from Ireland playing there. and But yeah, everybody on the street seemed to know Alan. It was pretty wild. Such a friendly place, you know. People talk about it, and 
and you do come here and you find that you're like wow this is a there's some real hospitable people here and really genuine people and i love i love being out here love playing love the, the scenery it's inspiring man in every way and the last question I have for you, you know, you've had a lot of success. You've had uh, 16 CCMA awards, two Juno awards. Of course, you're going to keep going. You're only 42 just recently, about a month ago, had a birthday. So happy belated. Thank you. The one thing I have to ask is what's next for you? What does the future hold? Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm moving to Nashville next week. So moving back. And I'm excited about that. I've missed the creative community there. I missed being sharpened by other writers. And so I'm, I'm so excited. I've been writing like crazy. We'll have another record, I think, 2018. Start recording as soon as I get down there. Um, but yeah, I miss it. I miss, uh, it's been, I think, six years now where I've just written by myself. And I think it's good. I think it's good to have those other people around you to bounce things off of and sharpen you as a writer and inspire you. And, and so, yeah, it's a big move, but it's a place I'm, that's also home for me is kind of my second home so i'm looking forward to that more recording and and yeah we may we may try some in the u.s too i'm not sure if it comes it comes and if it doesn't i just want to write and keep uh keep playing for my my canadian fans and and keep celebrating this this way of life that uh it's important it's important to to have a spotlight on it that's gonna do it for this episode of tobin tonight our thanks to dean brody for coming on the show Remember, you can find past, present, and future episodes on TobinTonight.com, Spotify, and iTunes. Follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, and leave a comment or two. For Tobin and myself, this is Jacob saying, I want to have a bush party or hang out with Dean. He sounds like a fun guy. Thanks for listening, and good night. Do. Did. Will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holawati from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network. Hi, I'm Steve Yurko. And I'm Tara Sands. Now available from Maji Media is our new podcast, Four Kids Flashback. Four Kids is the company who brought you the English dub of Pokemon in the late 90s and so many other shows like Yu-Gi-Oh!, Shaman King, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Kirby, the infamous One Piece dub, and so many more. We'll be talking to the people who worked at 4Kids. Actors, directors, writers, editors, producers, engineers, you get the point. And hopefully get the answers to questions both you and I have about the company. I actually worked there as a voice actor on some of the shows. And I was a kid watching the shows and remember way more than Tara does. And thank God for that. Steve is actually a professional storyboard artist, which gives some really unique insights into anime and animation. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. That's the number four kids flashback. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.